Welcome to the Fern Podcast, As the Season Turns. Released on the first of the month, each episode will be following the changing landscape of the seasons, from the moon and the stars to the tides and the trees. I'm Leah Landers, author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide, and this podcast is created by Fern, makers of small-batch organic perfume who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you to settle deeper into the seasons. June is true summer. Strawberries, roses and rainy picnics, ice cream and sunburnt shoulders. Meteorological summer begins on the 1st, astronomical summer on the 21st. The countryside is full and fresh, and gardens and hedgerows are bursting with colour. If you want your garden to look wonderful in June, then you can hardly fail, for everything flowers in June. June, of course, contains the most daylight of any month, and the longest day and shortest night. But there's the rub. Here we are, just getting into the swing of things, and suddenly the pinnacle is reached. After Midsummer's Day on the 21st, we start the slow side towards autumn, and June's Midsummer celebrations are tinged with that knowledge. Happily, however, the thermal lag in the seas and land means that our warmest months are ahead of us. We can cast aside niggling thoughts of the dark half of the year, at least for now, and revel in the warmth and light of the moment. The month may have been named after the Roman goddess of marriage, Juno, and it is certainly a month that lends itself to optimistic outdoor gatherings and celebrations. The Anglo-Saxons called it Sera Mona, which means dry month. Perhaps things were different then, or perhaps the Anglo-Saxons were as hopeful and foolish about June as we are. The Oak Tree in June By June, our oak tree is settling into the good times. A rustling crown of deepening green, great branches reaching proudly towards the sun. One of our most beautiful trees coming into full strength. Green acorns are just beginning to tip the branches, nestling among the leaves. But some will be blooming into strange shapes. Some will be spheres, others more complex. These are galls or oak nuts, and the story of their creation is miraculous. The Gauls come in many shapes and sizes. Each shape is created by a singular species of gall wasp. The wasp lays an egg in an oak's flower, inducing the acorn to grow into a gall. The baby wasp hatches inside the gall and feeds on it until it is mature. Gauls do not damage the oak but they have had a significant impact on European history. Ground down and mixed with water, iron sulphate and gum arabic, gauls make an indelible ink that has been the ink of record for thousands of years. Most historical documents, from Magna Carta to the drawings of Leonardo da Vinci, were made with iron gall ink, which was favoured for its resilience, and it is still available today. There are many recipes about, should you wish to make your own. 
Bird of the month, the dove. The dove is a symbol of Pentecost, which falls on the 5th of June this year. Doves are generally smaller than pigeons, but they are in the same family of birds, Colombidae, which consists of over 300 species. Collared doves are delicate, slim, pale and distinguished. They have a thin black collar at their neck, and their grey breast has a blush of pink to it. They can often make truly shocking nests, really just a few twigs piled loosely on top of each other, with the eggs perched precariously on top. Collared doves are responsible for the soft but relentless cuckoo-coo noise that echoes around your house when they perch on the top of the chimney. The turtle dove is an even daintier thing, and sadly far more endangered. It is a bird of Britain's east coast, but increasingly rare there. You might notice it by its gentle, telephone-like purring coo. It is small, only a little larger than a blackbird, it has a pink-blushed grey breast, black gill-like markings on its neck, and brown and black patterned wings. Inside the beehive in June. The beehive is reaching full strength now, and it may prepare to swarm, particularly if space is running out. This is its way of reproducing itself and creating new colonies. The queen lays eggs in specially prepared queen cells and these larvae will be fed on royal jelly produced from the heads of the nurse bees for 16 days. Male drone bees are also raised, their only purpose being to mate with a new queen. On a still warm day, the old queen will leave the nest, flying for only the second time in her life, with around 60% of the hive up to 30,000 of her faithful workers all flying in a mass through the June air. The swarm will settle temporarily around a branch of a tree while scout bees search for a new home. Back in the old hive, the new queens fight for dominance and the survivor flies from the nest with a drone bee to mate on the wing then returns to the hive to take her place as the new queen. In season this month, from the hedgerows, woods and fields, cleavers, hairy bittercress, hedge garlic, lemon balm, wild marjoram, pineapple weeds, spearmint, sweet sicily, watercress, watermint, wild thyme, wild fennel, broom, borage, elderflower, chamomile, hawthorn, honeysuckle, lime, marigold, meadowsweet, nasturtium, pansy, red clover, wild rose, wild strawberries and wild gooseberries. From the seashore and rivers, mackerel, sea trout, brown crab, herring, lobster, turbot, sardines, salmon, larva, pepper dolls, carrageen, egg rack, sea lettuce, sugar kelp. From the kitchen garden, globe artichokes, rhubarb, asparagus, calabrese, carrots, courgettes, cucumber, broad beans, cauliflower, chard, endive, lettuce, spring greens, spring onions, new potatoes, radishes, wild rocket, spinach, beetroot, garlic, peas, turnips, gooseberries, strawberries, blackcurrants, cherries, loganberries, raspberries, redcurrants, chives, basil, mint, dill, marjoram, thyme and oregano. From the farms, 
asparagus, cheddar strawberries, Ayrshire and Cornish new potatoes, fresh goat's milk cheese, stinking bishop, used curd, ricotta and new season lamb. And traditional imports, Alfonso mangoes, apricots, peaches, nectarines and cherries. The Midsummer Fire June contains a great turning point in the year. As the sun reaches its highest point, pauses there for a moment, and then begins its descent back towards winter. Midsummer was a vastly significant date to our farming ancestors, though it was traditionally celebrated on the 24th of June, rather than the actual longest day on the 21st. And it was a date regarded with a healthy dose of anxiety, perhaps necessary to spur on preparations for the darker, less bountiful months. While the idea that our ancestors gathered at Stonehenge and the like to welcome in Midsummer's Day is much disputed, there is far more evidence for the popularity of the Midsummer Fire. Throughout Britain and Europe, fires have long been lit as the sun set on Midsummer Eve, in the streets, on high hills and on farmland. These widespread celebrations generally had three common features, bonfires, torchlit processions and the rolling of a burning wheel. Bones and rubbish were burned to create smoke to drive away bad spirits, and midsummer fires had a magical quality. Cattle would be driven through them and young men would leap over them for luck. Long-burning kitchen hearth fires would be put out and rekindled using burning brands from the midsummer fire as if to hold on to the height of summer and to stave away the coming dark for as long as possible. And the burning wheels would be driven down hills by whooping boys, directly representing the sun making its descent, and to fatalistic applause from gathered onlookers. If it is going to happen, let's send it on its way in style. Glut of the Month, Gooseberry Lip-smackingly sour gooseberries are swelling now. Thin them out early in the month, using the small, sharp, pectin-filled early ones for jam, and allowing the rest to ripen, soften and sweeten. Elderflower adds hints of floral and lemony flavours that rub along very happily indeed with gooseberry. Simmer gooseberries, a little sugar and a head of elderflower together to make the filling for a summery crumble or pie. Roasting gooseberries in a little honey sweetens and softens them while caramelising them slightly and allowing them to hold their shape. Tip a spoonful or two of them still warm onto thick Greek yoghurt. This is the month of the shortest, lightest and warmest nights. In the daytime the sun is high in the sky and this means that the full moon, which must be opposite it in the sky in order to be full, stays lower and has a more golden tinge. We now view it through a greater slice of our atmosphere than we did at midwinter, and so it is softer and less bright until it climbs to its highest. The medieval name for this month's moon, which falls on the 14th, is Rose Moon, reflecting the dog roses that are scrambling over hedgerows, their simple pale pink petals catching the moonlight, as well as the abundance of roses wafting fragrantly from midnight gardens. It was also known as the dyad moon, dyad meaning pear, and perhaps this is in reference to June being named after the Roman goddess of marriage, Juno, 
and being a month thought particularly favourable for weddings. This month we will see a super full moon, or supermoon, on the 14th. The moon's orbit is not a perfect circle, and through every month it is sometimes closer, sometimes further away. When the closest point happens to coincide with a full moon, we have a super full moon, which can be noticeably bigger and brighter than other full moons. The summer solstice falls at 10.13am on the 21st of June, the moment that the sun is directly overhead at the Tropic of Cancer, the northernmost latitude at which it can be directly overhead. The word, the word solstice, solstice comes, from, comes the from the Latin sol solstitium, meaning, meaning sun-stopping, sun and is related to the position of sunrise and sunset on the horizon. Both positions have been moving north, day by day, and will now pause for a while, then start to head south. Why is the midsummer moon low and the midwinter moon high? The sun's apparent path through our sky throughout the year is called the ecliptic. The moon and planets also just about follow this line. The moon wavers slightly either side of it, but all move much faster the moon travelling through all of the constellations of the zodiac that mark out its path each month, while the sun takes a year. At midsummer, the northern hemisphere has tilted so that the ecliptic is at its highest point in our sky during the day, which means that as the earth turns and sends us into night, the ecliptic is at its lowest in our sky. A full moon only occurs when the moon is at the opposite point to the sun on the ecliptic, and so when we look at the midsummer moon, it is low in our sky and can appear larger and yellower than during the rest of the year. In December, the opposite is true. Our daytime is pointed towards a low ecliptic and a low sun and our nighttime towards a high, silvery, bright moon. During the course of June, Day length at Inverness increases by 28 minutes to a maximum 18 hours and 1 minute on the 21st and then decreases by 6 minutes by the end of the month. Daylight at Padstow increases by 19 minutes to a maximum 16 hours and 27 minutes on the 21st and then decreases by 3 minutes by the end of the month. The average sea temperature this month is 11.2 degrees Celsius at Orkney and 14 degrees Celsius at Penzance. A ritual for June Midsummer has long been believed to be a time very favourable for divination. This month's ritual is based upon an old spell for a young lady who wishes to find out who she would marry. But owls will work for everyone, and it's only about marriage if you want it to be. On Midsummer's Day, find a full-blown rosebush. Pause a while, enjoying its blooms. Take your time to choose a particular rose. Let it call to you. Cut your rose, on the stroke of midday is best, and admire it. The softness of its petals, the scent, the colour. Take your rose home and fold it in white paper or wax paper if you have some. Slip the rose between the pages of a heavy book. Wait at least ten days or, in line with the original spell, 
until Christmas, but who can wait that long? In the original spell, you would then wear this rose to church, and the first man you meet would be your husband. In our version, we like to think that the first person who comes to mind when opening the white paper and lifting up the rose is of more importance. It could be a good friend, a long-lost friend, a friend in need, or indeed a future partner. This person has been summoned by the midsummer magic and is worthy of connection. Perhaps knowing who they are is good enough but it might also be a sweet act to fasten your midsummer rose to the front of a piece of card. Simply use a little piece of brown tape across the stem and send this card to the person who came to mind. You can let them know that the rose is a token of your love or appreciation for them, or simply that you're thinking of them and wish them well for the summer months to come. Who knows what this midsummer rose might bring. In the Fern Studio This month, in Fern Somerset Studio, the team is building up to the launch of the Summer 22 fragrance on the solstice. This fragrance explores the potential of perhaps the most iconic of perfume ingredients, the rose. Placing it at the heart of Fern's earthy summertime palette, perfumers Elodie Durand and Francois Robert have used Rose Otto the most expensive of all oils, in a classic accord with geranium. The geranium makes the rose lighter, greener, more textured, suggesting something a little wilder. Against a backdrop of incense-like olibanum, sweet hay and sharp kumquat, the rose takes on a rich shimmer, like the end of a summer's day. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2022, also available as an audiobook. This podcast has been created by Fern. Fern is an organic fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern Production Ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.